Hey all, welcome to Eat Drink Social. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in both Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. And if you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. Happy to be joined now by Justin Oba, aka Obalicious PNW on Instagram. Justin, my man, how you doing today? Good. How's it going? Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So you're you're in Seattle, Washington, um, which admittedly right. I've I've never been to. I don't know anything. I don't really know anything about. Do you, Michael? I've never been there before either. No. My girlfriend was actually there a couple weeks ago, and she she absolutely loved it. Though said it was gorgeous. So yeah, Justin, we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit about um, uh, the the Seattle food scene because it sounds like you'd be the guy to talk to about that. You are um, a a tour guide of sorts when it comes to the culinary world of Seattle. Is that right? I don't know if you can truly be a master of sorts, but I think we can at least try. Well, that that's fair. So obviously you live in Seattle, but could you just you know maybe just tell us a little bit more about yourself? You know, hobbies, interests, how you got to this point? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned uh, you know a big part of. Uh, part of me, especially my kind of my brand on, on Instagram is Obelicious is, is what I do for a living, which you mentioned as a tour guide. Actually, I, uh, my kind of ethos really pretty much starts at Saber Seattle Food Tours, which is a local food tour company based out of Pike Place Market, which is, you know, the number one tourist destination and one of the longest running farmers markets in the country. Um, I graduated from Washington State University uh, in 2014, getting my degree in ethnic studies and art history. And so, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do with that. Most people become teachers or lawyers, and I didn't want to do neither. Uh, but I got a job. Uh, uh, I ended up, uh, after I graduated uh, from WSU with my degrees, uh, I ended up coming to Seattle and looking for a part time job uh, in between for the summer. And I got a job at Saver Seattle as a food tour guide. And I thought, oh, no big deal. I'll do it as a you know part time gig in the summer. See where it goes from there. And I ended up falling in love with it. And I, you know, I, I love being able to be an ambassador uh, to the market, the visitors from all over the world, all over the country. Uh, but the problem that I faced was that you know I built, I did worked really hard for two hours building a a bond and a relationship with these visitors, making them feel connected to this awesome farmers market. But after two hours, I'd never see them again. They'd you know they'd disappear. And so I said, now how do I? continue this conversation about food, about history, about culture, about Seattle. And so I actually turned to Instagram um, to that. And so I turned my personal account and you know, just regular Justin Oba to Obalicious. This is the play on words of my last name and a Hawaiian word uh, called Onolicious. Onolicious is uh, to me, it describes a, a food that tastes so good and so, you know, tasty and yummy that, you know, you eat it, you die, you know, come back to life, eat it six more times, you know. Uh, and so that, that's kind of where it all started. And so I just, you know, leveraged my relationships in Pike Place Market and through Seattle, eating my way through town um, and, you know, making posts, taking photos and sharing. It. And, you know, I've been really blessed that over the last now coming up almost three years now that I've been able to grow a pretty steady following and uh, an organic reach. Really, that's the most important thing. Most of my followers are people that have been on my tour, people that I've met through the community. And so I think that's, and I'm really, really proud of that, actually. Where did your love for food start and what made you want to share it on Instagram? Uh, yeah, so, you know, my, my love for food started, uh, I would say, honestly, it was it started around high school and college. You know, I, I loved food. I always love to eat, uh, but it, I never really thought too much of it. I think in college I started, uh, my, one of my first jobs was uh, 
I was a house, they call it house boy or a hasher. I was, I was washing dishes at a local sorority. Um, and then I ended up becoming, you know, I started working in a weekend, cooking for them breakfast. And of course I started watching Food Network. I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I was born in the nineties. So I grew up with the whole food TV, you know, Bobby Slay and Yang Can Cook. And so watching those shows really influenced me, uh, into food and, you know, media. Um, and, uh, and, and I think I, you know, really got into Instagram again later, really so much more into, uh, uh as I started doing, becoming a food tour guide. You know, I followed, I did Instagram like pretty much anyone else, random photos, family, friends, things like that. Uh, but I didn't really take it too seriously really until I found a purpose to use it. Uh, when I realized I could use this, uh, use Instagram as a tool to share a story. And that's where I really started to you know, work on my skills as a photographer, learning how to take a picture, going back to those things I learned in art school about you know, composition and colors that really played in the fact after I kind of re- made these connections. You touched on it a little bit ago, but I guess just what what is the day in the life of a of a food tour guide look like? I mean, wh- what are you what are you doing? What does that what does that all entail? And what's your favorite part about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so you know, the company's been around for now about eleven years. Um, I've been here for just shy of four, but really, what it is is you know, I start my morning like it's depending on the time of tour. Like usually, I do a morning tour about let's say. Uh, uh, nine o'clock to 11 o'clock. You know, I usually get to the market, get my cup of coffee. I have my routine. If I'm hungry, I go get breakfast at the uh, Los Agaves little taqueria. They have this really great uh, breakfast burrito. Um, but then I get, I just kind of get prepared and I, you know, I meet my guests at the, at the spot and essentially I just give them an overview, a history of Pike Place Market as we walk through the market, visiting local stands, leveraging my relationships from being here for the last you know, three years getting to know these artisan craftsmen, the famous fishmongers of Pike Place Fish, uh, being able to uh, try to introduce these folks, these awesome people, and letting them share their stories themselves rather than me always telling it. And so I just try to do that and, uh, and build those connections and overall just try to make people feel really connected to the space. Um, uh, one thing that I always like to tell people is that, you know, Pike Place Market is the number one tourist destination in Seattle, but it was never really intended to be. You know, and it's core, it's about community, people and farmers and friends and small businesses coming together, protecting what's theirs and sharing that success with each other and the visitors that come there. And so I think that often gets lost when, you know, there's thousands of people walking around and they think of it as a cool destination. So my job really as a food tour guide is to really build those relationships and then share those relationships as much as I can to, to my guests. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a bad gig at all to us. That sounds really no. fun. Um, so we were checking out. In fact, when, when I when when I eat and drink around around the market around Seattle, I call it research. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, th- this may have actually been part of your research, but we were checking out the Savor Seattle website, and we saw that the synagogue soup at Oriental Mark, Oriental Mart is your yeah. favorite spot. What makes it so good, and what separates it from uh, similar spots in Seattle? Yeah. I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys saw that. Um, uh, and so, Anti Lie, I call it Anti Lie. You know, they're actually just recently written up by Eater. Eater did a Eater uh, did a awesome video uh, about that awesome business. Um, to me, to me, it's all about family. Uh, Anti Lie, her, 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 the Apostle family, has been there since 1971. About three generations of these women been working that stall. Uh, started as like a grocery store, selling Asian goods, and slowly became this little side, uh, uh, you know. The, the, side kitchen with a little lunch counter and I just love it because when I first started working in the market uh, that first summer that was like one of the first places I went to go eat because I know it was Filipino food I grew up in a very diverse 
community in South Puget Sound. Um, and so I ate Filipino food growing up. Uh, and so for me, it was almost like going there, like, oh, it's like eating home-cooked food. It's like being at my, my best friend's uh, uh, auntie's house or grandma's house and eating there again. And so just kind of getting to know her, and she really took me in and uh, treated me well and treated me kind of like family, too. And so I've always had a big connection there. And so that's why I usually eat. Matter of fact, I, when I go to lunch here in about an hour or so, I'll probably end up going there and having some soup again just because of this conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I just, you know, I just love that. You know, they're they're kind of no frills that that business and that family. Auntie lies like you know she makes what she lo- what she has, what she loves to make. A uh, lot of her produce and vegetables and meats like are coming from the market themselves. Or she makes what she likes and what she feels like, and uh, and she'll tell you what it is too. Uh, there's no frills about it. And that's what I kind of love about uh, that space. And so, again, going there is like comfort food. It's it's eating just like I would uh, back home when I was when I was younger at my you know best friend's house. No, uh, so one thing uh, in also our research on you, we noticed that, I mean, you're kind of a funny guy, whether it's the actual picture that you're taking uh, or the, um, the, the, the content um, phrasing that you use in, in the caption, rather. So moving into the kind of like the social media nerdum of the conversation here, what, what do you think plays better with uh, your base? Like a more serious, like uh, factual tone or like kind of play it up and, and have a little bit of uh, humor involved with your posts? You know, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I like to think of myself as a funny guy, but I think reality, I'm probably not. I think more people are laughing at me than with me, uh, to be honest. <laughs> that's what I go for. Um, you know, I think when I first started, I was, I was I took a more serious tone, like a little more factual and telling a story. And I think and that, and that went well. Um, but after a while, like, you know, I think, I think my, my humor really came out when uh, Instagram stories came out. When mm. I, was, I like to think of myself as one of the early adapters of of IG stories when it, when it came out a couple of years ago. And I just really love it. Um, I wasn't really into Snapchat, but for some reason I caught on with Instagram and I think it just gave me an opportunity to be a little more humorous and be funny. And I started getting a lot more response from that. Honestly, engagement really helped. And so uh, today I try to add a little bit of both, like still use humor. You know, I have a really, I've been told I have a very big and strong personality. And so I like to show that personality as much as I can, but then also giving, you know, hard facts are needs to be. And, I, and to be honest, I think the those real, like, serious, intentional moments when you're talking about a business and their story, uh, I actually like to do that in conversations, whether in DMs or uh, in, in actual, like, comments. Hmm. Uh, I don't think, I think the captions, I can be more fun and try to, you know, get that attention. And then those that are really serious about, Hey, where is that restaurant or what should I get there? I mean, those people that are truly interested in that. They're going to, they're going to send me a, a direct message. They're going to uh, ask that directly. And, and I'm happy to respond in a lengthy way, you know? Um, so that's all, that's kind of my approach, but I just like to have fun. You know, uh, what Kanye West has a great quote that I like that I like to follow. Uh, uh, my life is dope and I do dope shit. <laughs> and I just try to live that way. You answered a lot of our next question that we have coming up, but what are some, some tips and techniques that you have as an influencer that have um, maybe brought you success or that, that work for you on it, especially on Instagram? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, I think first one, and you know, it's probably been said a million times on, on your podcast already. Uh, but, and I, I don't think it can be said enough, uh, is, you know, being, being authentic. And I know that's a cliche word now. Everyone says that you go to, any, go to every conference and they'll, tell you, and they'll tell you that be authentic, but what does that truly mean? And I, 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 to me, it's just, you know, you know, being yourself, right. You know, following your code. I think every, every person should have a code of world code. And for me, it's, uh, I grew up with, with three things. Uh, my, my dad told me growing up, he said, if you want to be a real, uh, uh, if you want to be a man, you got to be brave, truthful, and selfish. And 
that's my three things I've always tried to follow. And so that's why, how I try to lead my life. Uh, and so I try to be brave, try to be, you know, of course, truthful and, and unselfish as much as I can. And by doing that, that's authentically me. And that's why I try to show uh, through my Instagram, through my stories, through my channel, everything I do. Um, so that's all is my guiding light. So I think having that ethos, having some core values, I think it will help bring kind of that guidelines of how to be authentically you. Um, and so people that you know, have trouble trying to figure out what is authentic, I think that's a good place to start. Uh, but and then, you know, above all, though, of course, even for that is, you know, make sure you're having fun. Um, I think a lot of people get burned out doing social media after a while. And I think the reason why they get burned out is because they stop having fun. And so, you know, and when that happens, when you stop having fun, you got to reevaluate, well, why I'm not having fun? Why is it pinpointing that and then addressing that, you know, and hopefully you can make a remedy. And I think, you know, I, I, I love doing Instagram because I, I have fun doing it. I love doing stories. I like doing my intro because I have fun doing it and I get a good laugh out of it uh, before everyone else does. And I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really it. You know, be authentic, be you, have fun, and just, and just do it and just create content. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I make a post and I don't get a, you know, I hope I get 300 likes and let's say I only get a hundred, you know, I don't go and delete it <laughs> because I didn't get what I wanted. I leave it. Cause who cares? I had fun and I want to share my story and they don't engage with it, whatever, but if they do, Hey, even more power to you. You know, uh, I do it because I have fun and I think that's, that's, that's who I am. And I think that's, uh, all you got to do to be who you are. I think people are going to, people from the outside, people in media, people that are public relations, they're going to see that and they're going to see that, hey, that's a lot more influence doing what you do and people and people following versus uh, trying to appease every single mass. Right on, dude. Yeah, that can't be, that can't be overstated enough. Um, and one, one fun part about, you know, Instagram is literally just taking the pictures of what you're doing at the time. And uh, with food photography, that can, you know, give you a, a lot of opportunities to to take something really delicious looking um, as far as a food photo goes. And uh, there's so many different people out there with their own style and 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 whatnot. But um, you know, just when it comes to taking food photography, like what what do you what do you consider a good food shot for you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's hard. You know, it's something like I've, I it has evolved a lot. And if you're ever so brave enough to go to my Instagram channel and scroll for let's say like three minutes until you get to the bottom, um, you'll you'll you can actually kind of see the difference. You know, you can you can see the transition of uh, my photography and how it was like not really that great, you know, bad old camera phone until <laughs> it finally started to finesse. You know. Um, uh, you know, for me, I, I, what makes a good photo is, is, is it, is it, a, does it look good? Is it aesthetically pleasing, um, for me? Uh, how does the, how does light, how does the light, uh, reflect and how does it look to me? Uh, that, that's the kind of things I look for. Uh, I try to set up my, my photos as best I can by having good light, making sure the, uh, the image is as symmetrical as I can, even if it's not no biggie, you know, I'm just making sure that it looks aesthetically pleasing as best it can. And, you know, I don't really worry too much about, um, the type of camera, you know, I shoot with a Sony, uh, a6500, which is a pretty mid-level, you know, uh, mirrorless camera. Um, but oftentimes some of the best photos that do the, the do better than those, uh, that are on my cell phone, you know, and that, you know, I'm, I'm rocking a Samsung galaxy. So, uh, it just kind of depends on, you know, it, it's kind of hard to tell like, oh, which one's better. Um, but I think it just depends on what you're feeling and how you shoot. And as long as you have those basic things of composition, having in the center or three quarters and making sure those colors, uh, uh bright. Uh, you had a 
guys who I was listening to just this last last week, uh, one of your recent guests was talking about some tools. And I, I can't reiterate enough. Um, Snapseed's a great free tool for those that are you know, unfamiliar with editing. It's a great way to learn how to do contrast, saturation, sharpening. Uh, it's super easy to kind of play with that and kind of get an idea for yourself. And that's really how I learned. I mean, I, I learned, you know, most of my photography skills off practicing on Instagram. Um, editing tools and then Snapseeds. Now I use uh, Adobe. I'm using uh, Lightroom. I think Lightroom is one of the best ways to keep consistent, you know, filters and, and profiles. And so I, I love that. I think it just takes practice really and uh, having those right tools. Well, keep up the great work. I mean, we were looking through your feed and, and definitely my favorite photo was the one of the, the two ice cream scoops in that kind of like waffle taco shape. That, that was definitely my favorite picture. Right on. Oh man, that's awesome. I'm glad you like that. Yeah, there's some there's some good ones on there, man. There's some I'm really proud of. That, uh, I, you know, I, I love those photos. I've been I've been really blessed that you know through my course of this, I've been able to uh, have my photos feature in in local press. I've been able to work with some really great public relations firms and and, and agencies, and uh, I continue to work with them today because of these because you know because I was able to demonstrate my my value and be able to continue to provide that value in other means. So I feel very blessed and humbled to be able to, to talk to you guys. It's, it's pretty awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll keep up the great work. Um, so let's go, let's go back in time. We're going to go to 2009. We want you to tell us about the five pound burrito challenge at Taco Del Mar for Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Yo, y'all like Narwar, man. You guys, you guys are digging deep right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are getting these things the five pound burrito challenge. Yeah. That was probably that was the first food challenge. There was a, so in 2009. You have to remember this is when uh, Adam from uh, uh, Man versus uh, food. Man versus Food was was popular, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean that was that was the thing. I thought that I could I could do this like challenges too. I, I found out at that event that food challenges weren't my forte. Um, <laughs> um, that was at a Taco Del Mar, which is a local chain. Um, a local chain here in, in Western Washington. Uh, but they did this for, for Cinco de Mayo. They did a five-pound burrito challenge. It was five tortillas and five scoops of everything, rice, beans, your choice of meats, guac, uh, sour cream, you know, the whole, the whole works. And, uh, and so it was 20, it was like, I think it was like 20 or, I think it was 20 or 40 bucks. It was, it was, it was a little pricey, but I think it was like 20. But uh, you paid, you got the burrito. And uh, you're supposed to eat it. You know, if you finish it, you get a. It would be free or whatever. And uh, I, I barely got there. And in fact, I think I got halfway, and then I ended up running to the bathroom to throw it up. Oh no! Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, the funny part about that story is, so right after that, I'm all feeling, you know, glazed like a Krispy Kreme. I'm, I'm just like totally out of it. Like I, just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like sick from the food coma. This like, you know, farmer. <laughs> he looked like a he's like built like a like a like a like a you know, like like a like a farmer from from Iowa, this huge chunky guy. He just comes in and goes, "Oh, what? There's a there's a there's a five pound burrito. Yeah, it's special. I'll I'll get it." So he orders it like a little big deal. It didn't come there like me preparing for it for you know two days on end. He comes in, orders it, and just eats it like a grown man, like like bite by bite. And I just sat there watching him for about fifteen minutes. He just just goes bite by bite like no one's business. Finishes it. Gets a cup of water and he walks out like like you know just he's in there for lunch. Yeah, was free lunch. Yeah, yeah. At the end of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, are, do you know about 
Joey Chestnut, I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, winner of how many different uh, hot dog challenges on the 4th of July and, and God knows what other challenges throughout the country the rest of the part of the year. But I, uh, I saw right. him, I saw him in Cincinnati, uh, two or three years ago for their Oktoberfest and there was a brat eating contest, which was actually served as a preliminary for the 4th of July for that uh, following year. And uh, Joey Chestnut was up on the panel and he absolutely crushed the competition uh, with brats. It was oh. disgusting and amazing at the same time. How many did he get down? I don't remember. I just was, <laughs> I was, I was too distracted by the glory that is Joey Chestnut. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I was able to, I got, I got a selfie with a man. I got a selfie with Joey Chestnut like immediately afterwards it was the geekiest nerdiest thing i've ever had to ask for in my life because here's this guy that just came off of finish uh, finishing eating like you know i don't know 20 30 40 brats yeah uh <laughs> not something just like i can do and uh just decided to bother him for a, for a photo afterwards anyway i gotta give it up i gotta give it up to those you know those those competitive eaters i mean there's something else uh one of my favorite food news websites on the planet uh foodbeast.com uh, they've been producing a lot of food challenge content on their live streams on Twitch and making videos on their Facebook and Instagram, of course. But uh, they've been working with some cool ones. This one girl, uh, her name's Raina. Little thing, but she can eat. I tell you what, I don't, I, I can't even imagine, man. They're, they just did recently, I don't know if it was Raina, I think it was someone else, but they just did a competition where they ate like uh, the most chicken nuggets you could eat, like trying mm. to break a world record oh or something else. So they, I, I give it to those. It's, it's interesting content. That's for sure. And I, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy watching it. I don't know if I can do it though. <laughs> so man, I, I'd be, I'd be, um, remiss to let you go without talking about one very, you know, quintessential Seattle, uh, company. And that is of course, Starbucks talking about Pike's place a lot earlier. So what is the, what is the local perception in Seattle about Starbucks and, and the coffee that they produce? Is it a, is it a pride thing? Is it a, yeah, but there's other coffee that's better kind of thing. Like how does, how do you all feel about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, first off, it, it, Pike, Pike place, no, no plural on that. Oops. I heard a Pike's place and that's, that's like cringeworthy out here in Seattle, man. So man, Pike place market. Um, but, uh, and you know, of course, Starbucks started in Pike Place Market, right? And so I think it's what they call home. I, I think I think we're pretty cool. I think we're I think I don't think there's as much hate to the big company as there seems to be, or I think that's what kind of like the stereotype is. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, I mean, I, I personally I think there's I, I call Starbucks you know the city's Wi-Fi. You know, just every other block, yeah. just connect to a new Wi-Fi. It's great. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think we're okay with it. I think like any place, Starbucks is about, is about consistency, right? And so we all know consistently you're going to get a good cup if you're on the go or you're short on time. Uh, most locals have their own, like, you know, neighborhood coffee shop they like going to. And so I think most people go there. And I think above all, Starbucks provides jobs. So most oh, of yeah. us at one point or another either work for them or have family or friends that work for them. So no one's really hating too hard on them. Uh, and they do a great job, I think. They're one of the few, you know, large corporations that provides, like, some really great, you know, benefits that businesses their size don't often do, you know, and, uh, they're they're trying to do their best and lead the way, and uh, you know, being being just uh, with their compensation, I you know, I appreciate that. So, totally, you ain't, ain't going to hear no hate from me from Starbucks, and you know, I you know I appreciate that. Absolutely, <laughs> and as uh, as content creators, we actually draw a lot of inspiration by what they do on their own Instagram channels, and what you know they're they're killing it as far as the creative goes. But um, Justin, we really oh, yeah. thank you for your for your time today, talking to us a little bit about you and your life. It, it, 
that sounds kind of, uh, I, I kind of want to go, I, I'm, Michael, I'm going to leave this job. I'm, I'm going to go and, and be a food guide somewhere else. Maybe I'll start one in, in Louisville. Um, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Hey, do it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. The food, tour, the food tourism industry is popping right now. Get in while you can. Um, and if you ever find yourself in Seattle, holler at your boy. I'll take good care of y'all. Most definitely. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. your time again. Have a good week. Yeah, thank you. Take care, guys. All right, Courtney. What do you think about that? Yeah, I've really liked this interview because a lot of times we talk to people who are solely foodies in the, you know, quote unquote online world. But the fact that he did this for a living uh, added a unique twist to the, the conversation. And one takeaway I had from him was this idea of building a, a relationship with someone in a, in a short time. In his case, it was a two hour f- uh, food tour. But extending that relationship online. And I think as businesses think about when you host tasting events, or maybe it's just someone walking through your doors into your place of business, and you have those conversations, even if they're brief, they're less than two hours probably, uh, how do you take that small interaction and keep the conversation going online? So think about you know, what can you do, whether it's a sign at near the, the register that has your social handles or maybe your social handles are on your receipt that you hand them. What can you do to get that online uh, world in their face before they walk out the door and, and that they continue to follow? Um, the other thing that I really loved was this idea of having fun and I've been doing creating content for probably more than 10 years and there's times when I'm reviewing the content calendars that you guys pull together and I see a post that makes me smile and I know that if it's making me smile and I'm close to the content it's definitely going to play well with the fan base and I think that it's a really important point to not lose sight that social is supposed to be social and social is supposed to be fun. All right, everybody, that wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or maybe you know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us.